Welcome back to the NLP Zone podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Larksford. And in episode three, I'm speaking with Christopher Schulz, co-founder and chief product officer for Pioneer in Munich. Now, in this episode, we'll be finding out why Christopher started Pioneer. It is important to have a good data set, the problems that we face with data science, and the difference between a well-known algorithm and implementing in a software-as-a-service product. Now, Christopher is an entrepreneur that found a problem and started Pioneer to provide the solution. His story is insightful and extremely interesting to listen to. So if you're listening right now, I suggest you give him a follow on LinkedIn and feel free to connect with him there. I'm really excited about this episode and I hope you get a lot of value from it and enjoy the show. Hello. Yeah, my name is uh, Christopher. I'm 34 years old. So I studied um, engineering for computer science and after that I um, worked as a sales engineer in the aerospace section. And yeah, we had the problem that we always had to do a forecast and it was would say took a long time to make this forecast and this was my start where yeah like to work with ai to automatically make a forecast so this was my first steps and then i i worked self-employed to have more projects uh, in ai and after that i started with some friends uh, our own company called pioneer so i'm i'm still there uh, we have it right now for three years and what we are doing is that um, we extract insights out of a massive feedback. So we use different uh, AI algorithms uh, to help the user with that. An outcome is something like 20 user um, wrote that since the last update, the login button is not working anymore. Yeah, this is what we are doing. So um, we try to help the companies uh, when they have a lot of feedback to find the right things and that they can continue to work on the right things. Um, and I'm responsible for all the AI things on that, pre-processing AI server where we, every message, every text which comes in, uh, where we process and tag with own things, uh, different tags, um, so that the user can easily, in our tool, can easily work with that and cluster things together and get good outcomes. Yeah, brilliant. And I was just having having a look at your profile on LinkedIn as well. So I know that you, you started your studies in computer science and after you graduated in 2011, you started working as a sales engineer, as you as you mentioned. Was that a natural planned transition from you for you to go from being a sales engineer and then starting work in AI in 2014? Or was that accidental and something you just fell into? So for me, so it, I would say... It was interesting to, to work in, as a sales engineer, especially uh, um, aerospace section. So uh, also when you, when you, when you work on a uh, Mars rover, so this is very interesting. But I would say it was always, I knew that it was never the, the, the right thing for me. Um, I wanted to do more with numbers or with text uh, processing on, on a computer. And yeah, the, the forecasting thing, this was, I would say, my first step where I said, okay, it makes no sense to spend weeks to grade and forecast. And then one month later, it's just, you have to do it again. So this was the reason I, I really, I would say, dived in in details how, how AI is working, uh, statistics, math, which I can use for that. 
Um, and then I knew that this is something I want to follow up. And so this was, I would say this was the start, the start of it. Yeah. And then just uh, with, with Pioneer, then I would say that's uh, really my passion then uh, to work with uh, NLP and these things. Yeah. And I, m- I remember when we was talking, obviously you mentioned to me that you started off out as a freelancer getting deeper into the topics of AI and you realized a lot of problems along the way with many companies and stuff like that, not listening to their customers. So you obviously off the back of that decided to start Pioneer. Can you explain to me going back to that that moment where you knew that maybe you could start your own thing here and what ignited that fire to bring you to where you are today and continue to, to follow through with your intentions and ambitions of, of bringing yeah pioneer as we say to where it is today i would say it's a bit of it's a bit of funny story because we started more like a uh, design thinking tool and a friend of mine uh, he was coming to me and had this idea with uh, design thinking and um, it was we started to make a kind of user journey and things like that and we were talking to a lot of potential customers yeah we identify that um, a lot of the customers, they had the problem that they have a lot of feedback and don't know what to do with that. Um, and then we changed our product from, I would say, from the design thinking, from user journeys, uh, personas. We changed it to, yeah, to, to feedback analytics. We just started with that. So we had some, I would say, the, the problems which everybody has. So first, of course, you start with just uh, getting some data and use some AI algorithms. And yeah, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. Uh, so, yeah, I think the first thing what we did was we uh, took all the, all the messages we had, all the feedbacks, and then, uh, yeah, we used clustering. And then said, okay, seems good. Um, and then we checked the data and then we found out, okay, it's, it's more a 50 50 chance of it's, <laughs> if it's correct or not. And then we saw, okay, so in theory, it's good. But the problem was that, yeah, also when you cluster something and you have this document clustering, but the problem was we have short texts. So when you have on the app store, um, it's just a short text. Um, and then we find out that this does not really bring us to the to the goal we have. Um, and then we decided to to change it a bit. That we work more with part of speech tagging, so we're extracting keywords, extracting. I would say when we have a message, we get a lot of tags of it, um, and then in our tool we we process that. And I've, you've already touched on it a little bit already, but it, could you go into a bit more detail? Uh, obviously, being the founder as well. But your role as a chief product officer, is that your role, right? And, and how you divide your position up in the company uh, with the other founders and, and what your main roles are as the CPO? Yeah, as we, as we said before, when you have a startup, it's like uh, you have to take care about everything. So in the beginning, because I came from the sales process, so we said um, I will take care about the sales. Um, but then we said, okay, we, we also need uh, someone who is uh, yeah, concentrating on, on the AI things, um, yeah, like like on the processing of the AI and also on the testing. So um, I think the, the most part what I did was, especially in the beginning, was getting text and playing around, playing around, uh, try different things. Um, 
see if it works um, and if it, sometimes it works and then you have another data set and then you find out okay it was just luck yeah. so uh, i would say it was a long process just really testing around sometimes you can use good frameworks what which are yeah, open source for everybody and sometimes you find out okay it's better to to have uh, your own things yeah so this was the the beginning that and um, right now i think we have a really good ai uh, technology in our in our system and it works quite well so at the moment we try to make it really easy for the user to get to the insights to to, to get to the goals and yeah so this is uh, something where i uh, help or which i'm doing at the moment i would say the the process where i started from from the position to what i'm doing right now but as i said it's like changing a lot yeah absolutely and uh i mean i've, I've done my research on on pioneer and obviously looked into what they what they do and what they stand for and stuff like that and you started the company in 2017 and we're here now well still in the pandemic kind of but obviously out of the worst part and uh what have you learned the most since starting pioneer over the last four years it's a good question i i always say starting your own company is uh getting or learn about yourself i think uh, you learn a lot of uh, working together with others and not in a way what you are doing on a, on a normal company, I would say. So if you are on a big company with 500 employees or more, then you know, you know them and some of them you like, some of them you don't like. And you can just, you know, when you don't like someone, then you will not see them so often. Uh, when you're on a startup, when you're on a small team, you learn how to work with them. Uh, you learn what, what skills they have or which yeah, which part is uh, they are really good? You also learn about yourself. Uh, you you learn how how you can uh, when you have struggles. So every every startup has some some struggles, some problems. You learn about yourself. Uh, how is it for you? So in the beginning, of course, everybody would say, uh, when we have some problems, yeah, just just continue and yeah. So okay, it's just a saying. Um, and when you really have the troubles, then uh, you 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 learn about yourself how how your feelings are how yeah how you think about that um and then of course you you try to find solutions and i think this is also something which uh, you change a bit over the time that you you try always to to find a solution to to see something which you can improve and yeah it's not like a normal job so it's it's you have no uh, i would say it's not like four o'clock and you go home so it's like more it's more like you go home but you uh, continue thinking about something yeah absolutely that sort of leads me on to my next question i'm quite intrigued to to know a bit about the specifics of what let's say a company like pioneer would need so different companies need different things in order for the company to go to where it wants to go upwards i hope so what i'm intrigued to know about pioneer and with how you how what your outlook is on this it, it's, it really comes down to like for example the importance of a good data set i wonder if you could tell me a little bit about that i made a lot of tests and also when you train a model i would say that uh, i think for everybody uh, the easiest way to understand it's like on a sentiment model uh, where you have just positive uh, you you have a sentence or a message and then you predict if it's uh, possible neutral or negative um, also in the beginning, you do, we try to to get some data somewhere um, and drain the model. And yeah, it was 
okay the results, but when you implement it in our tool and you get new data, um, and then it was bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you, you start to figure out why is it bad? So the training was not too bad. What happened? And then of course you have data which were not on a training data set. Um, but you also find out that we used a lot of, I would say, messages from, from apps. And sometimes the, the feedback on it is just two words. Then most of the time it was positive. Uh, someone is writing good app. Um, and then you have a training data and 20%, uh, I would say, or more than 20% are similar data. So good app is writing 1,000, 1,000 times a user is writing good app. Yeah. Um, and then you have this on, on your, uh, your training set and then someone is writing a bad app and the model just see, okay, two words, short message, app is inside of it, okay, should be positive and then you have a problem. That's the reason why I always say that I think it's very important to have a, a good data set. It's very difficult to find it out. So we have, at the moment, we have English and German language. I also saw that uh, on AWS, they have some services. And I, I saw that the German uh, prediction was good, but the English prediction was not good. Most of the tags were neutral. And then, of course, this is a problem. When you want to find out how the feelings of your users and uh, 80% are neutral, then uh, you, you can imagine that this is not... Not the, something went wrong, and yeah. So this this is a reason why I spent in the in the last half year, I would say, most of the time I spent just with finding some algorithms to um, to get a good data set to really try to get the the best sentiment tag of a of a message which is possible. And so I used a lot of models, combined them. If you have 10 models and they have some different results, then I said, okay, um, I'm not sure if I will use it. Uh, but if all models say, okay, this is positive, then I see it's positive. And also the length of the, of the words um, that you can, of course, skip when you have the same things. All these things, I think some of them are easy, uh, but some of them you, you really have to, to dive in deeper and, uh, and check the data. And if you have all this, I think then you will get also a good model. Training a model is like, I also started when, you know, uh, BERT was something new and um, it was very difficult to, to work with BERT. So uh, we we went hours on the internet to find somewhere where we can, uh, how we can use this. And so today it's like you can use PyTorch and uh, Hugging Face, you can train a model with just a few lines of code. So it's not... It's not a problem anymore. Of course, it helps if you understand what you are doing, but you just can copy and paste and then you can train a model and you don't understand what you're doing, but in the end you have a model. So this is something I would say which is really nice. Huh? And and a lot of people has no access to training models, which I like. But I think the biggest challenge is about the data. Would you say there is a key formula to producing a good data set? Or is it completely subjective and hit and miss <laughs> that's a difficult question so <laughs> i think i think to to get a good data set you have to be uh, creative when with with images google said okay we we need to label that so they have on the, on the login 
they ask you, hey, can you can you uh, tag the pictures where a car is inside of it? And then they have label data. Um, so this is creative to, to get label data. I think yeah, you can you can work with the things they are existing already. In the end, you need to, you need uh, to spend time on that. So you can fix an algorithm uh, to control your data set. I think this is needed, but you also have to 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 look on the data set. And then, of course, if you train a model, you also have to test it and has to find out what ha what happens when it's wrong. So, so like I said before, you can find out okay, the model is not good not good on short sentences, and then you can find out okay, why is it the problem? Um, and it's just an iteration. So, in the end, it's it's a question of time, I think. Yeah, and that makes complete sense. So when I when I try and look at the grand scheme of things with regards to companies in Germany and the DAC area with regards to artificial intelligence and data science and stuff like that, you do see a lot of areas where things are advancing quickly and the demand is, is growing stronger. And of course, with that comes problems. And of course, successes. But what I'm intrigued to know and hear your version of it is what do you think to perhaps the problem with data science and where we are right now? Yeah, the data science is for me, it's like, I think it's the, the, the job of the future or the job everybody wants to wants to have right now. For me, it's like, it's a very difficult job. So, of course, you need a lot of skills. I think that also a lot of people, they have the skills, but it's also, I think it should be part of a personality or a state of mind that you, you have to be... Uh, yeah, curiosity. You, you 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 need something inside you which is uh, which always want to find out something. So um, yeah, I'm uh, as a hobby. I have also I have a basketball team in, uh, in in Germany in the first league, and it's like when when you get the data of it, of course you can start and and find something uh, which helps the player. But you also have to think about okay. Where does the data come from? Is the data maybe correct? So it's like you know, there's um, some data where it's when some, some, when a player is shooting from this position, and then you see, okay, he he shoots from this position. But then you also have to find out is this position correct, or is it like you know, there's someone on the on the sideline and just making his uh, his X uh, somewhere, um, or is it with a computer? Or how is it made? And this is something which is important because um, I, I found then out that the positions are not always correct. So that means I made more a kind of cluster of position and I said, okay, here's the three-point shooter. There are three areas of it to have a better data when I just put it on a on a really on the point and say, okay, he he was shooting from here. And I think this is something you you have to do. Yeah, you have to make a lot of questions to people who know this. Also with the rules, so on a, on a basketball team, you have to know the rules, and there are some rules you don't know. If if they some they say okay, he, they made an uh, an rebound. Everybody can understand okay how it happens. Uh, when they say transition, a trainer can explain to you what transition is. But when you look at the data, you find out that not always everything is tagged like uh, transition. So there's a bit change from what the trainer was saying and the people are, are marking in the data. Um, and this is something I think you, 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 you have to ask this question and you cannot 
when you have all the all the skills when you're good in math when you're good in statistics when you're good in programming it's the basics but you you really have to ask questions and to be yeah dive in the in the data and uh, get lost in the data i would say yeah from what you're saying this sounds like an, an example of putting theory to practice you see this a lot so where someone has all the theory they're extremely intelligent they've got you know all of their degrees and stuff like that but with out real production work or working in a real life situation in order to pick up those you know questioning skills like you mentioned to be able to ask lots of questions to understand the situation and and do it for real i guess that's part of growth for anyone that's in that position at that moment and of course what with that they will they'll 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 grow forward and become better versions of uh, being a data scientist and and any field that's remotely similar is that interpretation similar to what you were were implying yeah absolutely yeah we are also working um, with some some students from the uc berkeley and yeah i see that they all all interested in that field and uh, like i said i think it's a kind of growing uh, from also from the people so they start i would say very very early on this Yeah, I find the guys from just coming from from university uh, or of uh, in their first job just started. Their analytical skills are, are amazing. Their theory skills are amazing because they're fresh from university, whether it's their their bachelor's, master's, or PhD, because it's fresh on the mind. But in production work, is a whole different ball game. So intertwine the two. And uh, you have a, a really, really good data scientist or engineer. So yeah, I understand what you're saying. Okay, well, um, another question that's sort of come to my to mind, and I'm really intrigued to know about. I mean, I want to put the question to you and uh, hear your expert opinion. Like, for example, the difference between well-known algorithms and uh, implementing in a software as a service product. And uh, I guess does that relate to Pioneer as well? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Like you said in the beginning, um, made a lot of tests. So you get data set, you you test it, how you can implement it in a tool, and everything. And you you find a lot of algorithms where you can say, okay, uh, they are good. And you know, on AI things, I think every day there is something new, uh, which is really really cool. So it's growing. The community is growing and it's really big, but. I would say it's something totally different when you really want to have it on a, on a software as a service tool and a user can work with that. So um, like w we do a lot with vector calculation in our tool. We, we help the user. So for us, the goal is that they can easily have their cluster. So we call it theme in our, in our tool. Um, and we want to have that. It's easy for them to build their own themes. We also have some predefined themes to make it easier in the beginning. But when they build it by themselves or when we have predefined, we make calculations where we say, okay, these words are connected to each other because they have, they are in the same context. They are, they used always the same way. And therefore we have a lot of vectors and we make the calculation. And of course, the user don't want to wait a minute or two minutes for a calculation. When you when you hear the, the nearest neighbor algorithm, um, you can use it or you can test it on the, on your laptop. And it's I would say it's not that difficult and it's uh, really cool and you can see that works. 
and you are happy that it's working. Um, and then when you uh, put it in a tool so that it works with incoming data and there's no no problem when you have a million of uh, of data, this is a completely, I would say, different challenge. And we also had this challenge. So we implemented it in our tool and we made, made some calculations. In the beginning, it was okay, but when you have many results the calculation uh, it took some some seconds or some some uh, minutes not but it took some seconds and then we also said okay no, nobody will use this uh, always have to wait for something especially when you know when you type in something wrong and then you have to wait and then you type it in uh, correct and then you again have to wait and i would say this was a big challenge for us we saw at this time we saw that only spotify and facebook was working uh, on something like this um so the the vector calculations and yeah and then we also implemented in our tool and um yeah we still work on this but right now it's i would say it's very fast and yeah we we also want that uh, if it's getting bigger the the data set and also the the database can can work with that so we have to continue this yeah but i would say the different from just making nearest neighbor calculation on your laptop with some words and doing this on a on a software as a service tool where you have millions of data it's something totally totally different and i think you have that very often so it's like it's also when you make a sentiment um when you're training a sentiment model You can, like I said before, with PyTorch and, and Hugging Face, you can train a model and uh, you can train it one day on your on your laptop and it looks good and it's fine. Uh, when you have 20 millions of sentences and you want to train a model, then you have to think, uh, yeah, what can I do to, to improve that, to train it on a server, train it with GPUs and make it really fast. Yeah, because in the end, maybe you find out that the model It's not as good as you thought um, and then you have to train it again and something like this so it's i think there's the difference between testing something and finding out if it's uh, good and then also putting in, in a tool and you have to do many steps and also on on many steps uh, or there are some algorithms you can easily test on your laptop but you cannot put it in our tool because then you have to completely redesign the back end of your tool yeah i mean good explanation i like to i mean i learned a lot from just listening to that so i appreciate that and uh moving on with regards to you know where pioneer are now i'm quite intrigued to see what and hear what the future holds for pioneer so you're a growing company you're a startup you're at the fun stage which i like to i know it's the <laughs> probably the most challenging with, with everything that you have to do but it's a it's at a fun stage where The next step is to take you to, to new heights. And I'm interested why you chose to, out of all the things in artificial intelligence, you chose to go start a company that's focused around natural language processing. And uh, the second question on top of that is, you know, what advice you would give to anyone coming through university interested in natural language processing? They want to get, a, you know, a good job in that area. What advice you would give them i think my advice today would be asking questions i think you cannot skip something so you have just sitting sitting on your chair and just spend hours uh, on working with that and um, i think today like i said before with the frameworks you have it's easy to 
to make something. And of course, it's interesting to, to make different things. I think to, you learn something when you, when you find a project where you say, okay, this would help me maybe in, also at home. I would say always funny, funny stories. Uh, so someone trained a model um, with the, for his cat. So when the cat comes in and have something in the mouth, uh, a mouse or something like this, so the door was closed and if not, then the door is open automatically. So I think when you have some, some projects like this, you, you can learn a lot. So it definitely makes sense to do that. Um, and the other part is uh, really ask, asking people, they are uh, working for years on that. So I would say that the same what I did. So I, I'm always asking people who in this field for for many years and i also say i say that to the to the students um i think they are not doing this so i always say okay if you have some question come to me uh, just ask me i think sometimes they are a bit too shy and they don't want to ask and maybe they just wait and maybe they they fix a problem sometimes it makes sense to fi fix a problem by yourself but sometimes it helps also when someone is helping you and you can fix it one hour And then you maybe also understand it. But I think, I think there's no shortcut. So you just have to do it and have to learn, learn from it and try, try out different things. And when you have one in your job, when you have one project, then at home you can do something completely different. So that's, I would say it's the same what I did with the, with the basketball team. I uh, made something which has nothing to do with uh, NLP, just to have another field, yeah, just working on something with, which makes fun. So uh, when you uh, watch the games and then they win after a game and then you are happy that you are maybe just a small, small part of it, but you were part of it and it was nice. Yeah, I mean, what better combination to be having fun watching the game whilst learning at the same time and improving your skill set? it's the perfect combination. It's almost like, <laughs> it's almost like doing a form of exercise that is fun. You forget that you're actually doing something strenuous and uh, you end up burning loads of calories, but you've had the fun at the same time. So I like the concept and it's a really, really good idea to, to bring that into the workplace to anyone that's sort of learning and on their way up. Excellent idea. And uh, touching on what you were saying, what advice you would give to someone you know, stepping into the NLP world just out of university and their first job and stuff like that. I guess those principles apply everywhere. Ask lots of questions. I have a saying that says, tell them, show them, let them try. So see if they make their own mistakes, but hopefully they've learned something from you and you can keep going over that formula. So it's not necessarily a bad thing to, to ask questions. And there's also a good part to, to do it yourself. But if someone can tell you, quickly show you and let you try and you see what the outcome is that's for me the best way to learn so yeah i like your i like your opinion on that okay so uh, what i'm also interested i know it's a, a bit of a a common theme right now because we've all gone through it the pandemic covid i'm interested and intrigued to know how pioneer have got through that where they've adapted to the situation and and, and what they've done to deal with that i think As a, you know, as a startup, you always, most of the startups, they have the possibility to, to work uh, remote. Um, so since the beginning, we always had some, some online meetings. So it was not a, not a problem to change this. So that's, I, I think this was easy. With the customers, we find out that especially for the German customers, um, 
Yeah, they they had some problems to to change it to home office, so the big companies, because in Germany it was not uh, not many companies really had home office. In the beginning, we really had problems to reach them because they just wrote, "Hey, we are interested now to uh, in your tool, but we have right now uh, other problems to solve." Uh, so this was really something uh, over months where we where we had some some problems to 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 reach the people. So this, uh, of course, was not um, was not easy. I think again, you. This was also something everybody from us learned about ourselves. So for me, it was never a problem working from home. But when you are on, uh, uh, when you work a month uh, from home, uh, you find out that there's something missing. So that you you don't have really social contact. And then we also said we will set up a meeting where we just just talk because we we don't have it we just when we have meetings and then we we do like business meetings where we discuss something but not not in private because uh normally we saw us in in, in the office uh, this was something i guess we learned or also i learned to just go out of the of the building yeah and the, the soul and how important social contact is so this is really something I think, but I think everybody learned at this time. Yeah. So the, I think the, the social things were the, the biggest problem. Um, also with the customers, definitely it was a problem. Working, I think, was was easy. So for me, personally, I think the, the, the best way to work is for me to sometimes to do home office and sometimes to work in an office with others. I think the, the social contact is really important but of course if you you know when you test some algorithms when you have to think about some how you can implement it uh, somewhere then i'm i like to be on my own so nobody is is uh, talking to me i just can concentrate on that and i just can focus on that and then uh, i find a solution so i think uh, when it's over um, a, a lot of companies in germany learned that this kind of mix are really helpful for the user. I agree. This this hybrid model of working seems to be a fantastic approach because every bit of your work that you do is situational. For example, where you were saying there's certain things that you like to do when you're at home on your own, you know, locked away and working remotely. And there's other times where you need to be in the office, that sort of face-to-face interaction is important so it's all it's all subjective and, and situational uh, so the hybrid model i think going forward is uh, the winner i've seen that um, with a lot of my clients and of course candidates that i speak to as well it's often the most common uh, request if they were to join a new job i want a hybrid way of working but yeah look I, i've had a fantastic time learning about you christopher and uh obviously i've good chats before and uh about pioneer and where they're going as well and of course i want to say you know thank you so much for your time today and uh of course it was a pleasure if anyone wants to reach out to you or ask you any questions whether it's about you know pioneer yourself story or any other general question what would you say is the the best way 
to, to contact you? Yeah, I think the, the easiest and quickest way is uh, through LinkedIn. Yeah. I, I, I read my messages. So <laughs> I don't think that I will get thousands of messages. So, uh, yeah, I think I can read them all and also answer them. Brilliant. Well, as I say, pleasure to have you, Christopher. I really enjoyed every single bit of it. For everyone that was listening, this was the NLP Zone podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Luxford, and today's guest was Christopher Schultz. Thank you. Thank you for your time. It was uh, very nice to be here. Thank you.